called Anarchy. So, there's another kind of story that's been introduced, and it's the kind of story that when we get together and something's gone wrong, everybody gets together and figures out who's fault. It's called blaming story. Real words. I'm not, I promise you, I'm not making these up. These are real words that have been introduced over the last couple of years into our dictionary. So, when now, And I was thinking about these three words, and, and more than likely, all three of these words were brand new to most of us. Somebody may have um, studied this, and you may be able to add it, so you may have seen these words. But uh, these words are all probably brand new to most of us. But there are, unlike these three words, there is a single word that is very It's a term that we've heard countless times. We sing about it, we talk about it, we preach about it, we teach about it, we try to practice it. Um, but the, the problem with a word becoming so familiar is that it can lose its meaning. And our familiarity with this word brings with it a danger that the word grace is so common doesn't feel very amazing anymore. One of my favorite animated movies is The Incredibles. And, and um, there's a scene in The Incredibles that is my favorite scene, and I just love it. It's like, I don't know what, it's not like the main scene of the movie, but it's just a funny scene. I like it because I, I, I put myself in that scene. So, Mr. Incredibles, big bad Mr. Incredibles, he's had to get new superheroes, and he's gone, and he now sells insurance. Like, you know, he can't, right? He's in this little cubicle, and he's like pissed off because he's not doing what he was purposed to do. And so, he's driving home in this little bitty car, very compact car, and he's this big old man, and he pulls up into his driveway, and he goes to get out, and his son's skateboard is right there. So, when he steps out, he goes that does that thing, and he reaches over, and because he's Mr. Incredible, he grabs the, ed- the top edge of his door frame and, like, completely cinches it. So then he goes to close the door, and the door won't close. And he's like, And so he's, I'm not Mr. Incredible, and so he's, like, cinching it, and, and he's slamming the door, and it won't close, and so he grabs the whole car, kicks it up over his head. Well, about that time, the little neighbor boy on a little tricycle rides up, and he looks, and his eyes are like this big around, and he's got a big old uh, bubblegum bubble, and he's sitting there, and he's like, and Mr. Incredible asks him, and he says, he goes, what do you want? Or what do you expect me to see? The little boy answers, and it's the greatest question. He goes, I don't know. Don't you know what we want? We get that all life. What do we want out of life? Good definition of what we want our lives to be. Anybody would like something amazing to happen to you? Yeah. But so I've told that long grown up story to say that the idea of grace losing its power or amazing. I'm here. 
with God loses and we miss grace 
in our relationship with God. Okay? So anything, you remove grace from a relationship. If you take a marriage, you remove the action of grace in that marriage. That marriage will become toxic and poisonous. Hurt can become toxic and poisonous when we remove grace from it. Grace makes bitter things sweet. Grace makes sour things precious. Grace is the, as we were singing, overwhelming. It is the extension of God's perfect love that's not earned, that's not deserved, extended towards us. That's what grace is. And even our own, uh, you take a denomination, uh, whether it's Baptist or, or whatever it may be, Pentecostal or Catholic or whatever the denomination is, you remove grace out of that out of that denomination or that religion, and what you're left with are things that are toxic. You're left with a list of legalistic rules when grace is removed from faith. That's how people can get bitter at a religion. They can get bitter at a church or a preacher is when that church or that preacher or that religion or that denomination, whatever it is, removes the action and the operation of grace from their everyday life, things become toxic and people will get bitter because bitterness is allowed to grow when grace is removed. Why? Because I didn't deserve him to go die for me. 
I didn't, I wasn't good enough for him to go die for my sins. So that's the very definition of grace, unmerited favor of God. And that was extended towards me by and empowered to me by the blood that was shed on my behalf. And that's why the blood's powerful. That's why grace is powerful. But in order for us to experience the power of grace the way that God has designed it to be, what we have to do is we have to come to a realization that we need Because the only way to come to that realization is to understand that I am what? I am a sinner. Look at your neighbor and say, you are a sinner. I'm just telling you what, what Paul wrote in Romans 3.16. You may not know this one. Paul did. He said, for all have sinned. All of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Keep that up. Because the nature of humanity is to do what? Is to deny, is to minimize, and is to justify our actions that are wrong, right? Just this morning, in my vehicle, we had a grand display of human nature at its very purest form. We're driving, and um, my girls are talking in the back. Your daddy, you know what? What? She said, little sisters uh, are really annoying. And I said, okay. Grayson, you realize that you're a little sister. And she goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. She goes, no, what I'm talking about is like little girls, little sisters, like two and three years old. She goes, they they hit and they kick. And I said, Grayson, did you do that when you were two or three years old? And she goes, no, 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 I was talking about the other kids. That's us, though. That's us. It's that mentality of I'm really not that bad. And we minimize our wrongs and we try to justify our wrongs and we try to convince ourselves and at times others that we're really not that bad. And that ever go like that? We're not that bad. But the truth is, we're a lot worse than we are. Because this is the idea. The more I push, the more you push back on the truth of your sin, the more you push back on the experience of that sin. As long as as I think I'm not that bad, grace will never seem that bad. As long as I justify and, and minimize, and, and, and if you ever go through any kind of recovery, uh, addiction recovery, the whole idea is what? Admitting. Understanding. It, it, it's self-awareness. Getting to the point where you say, you know what, I have a problem. You know, my name is Tim, and I'm a sinner. You know, that's 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 the whole idea. Getting us to the point because if I don't think I'm a sinner, why do I need grace? 
grace loses its power in my life if I don't think I'm a sinner in need of being saved. Amen. And so I devalue grace in my life when I convince myself. Doesn't matter what I tell you, when I convince myself that I'm really not that bad of a guy, I devalue grace. The moment you drive that brand new car off the lot, you just lost ten thousand dollars. So it was. What's it? What's that word called? Depreciate. I depreciate the value of grace in my life by over appreciating my own righteousness.
his confession he wrote some 1,600 years ago. He wrote this. He said, My sin was all the more intense because I did not taste the death
of His gift of forgiveness to many through this other man, Jesus Christ. And then He goes on in verse 17, He said, For the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over me, but even greater is God's wonderful grace. Even greater is God's wonderful grace. And His gift of righteousness for all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. Even greater is God's wonderful, 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 wonderful grace. I said in the beginning seven things that no matter what you have done, no matter what has been done to you, grace is yours. No matter the hurt you have here this morning, no matter the pain of past mistakes and past failures and hurts and wounds, self-inflicted or inflicted upon you by somebody else, grace is greater than your greatest Grace is more powerful than you. As I said, grace is powerful enough to erase your past. You don't have to leave this place this morning with a guilty past. How many of you ever know what it's like? That when I, when I gave you the, the, your mistake is greater than my mistake, we all admit, I've made mistakes. I'm here to tell you, grace is more powerful than your Grace is more powerful than your guilt over your mistake. Grace is big enough to cover your shame because that's what happens. Shame comes with mistakes. We feel like we can't. We start feeling like this and we can't look somebody in the eye and say, I've made mistakes. Grace is enough, big enough to cover your Grace is real enough to heal your relationships. Anybody got relationship troubles in your life? Grace is strong enough when you're weak it'll hold you up. It'll strengthen you. It's sweet enough to cure bitterness. Your disappointments are not enough, are not more are not greater than the grace of our God. Your brokenness. No matter what, no matter the ugliness or the heaviness of your sin, I can with full confidence tell you this morning, God's grace I mean, in your mind, you're trying to tell yourself, well, my As they 
hand you this, you're going to receive a small strip of paper. What I'm asking for all of us to do this morning is to write down in that blank space what you would consider to be your greatest past, present, your greatest thing. Keep it confidential. And I want you to write down in that space what you to be your greatest. And then, I want you to circle the greater sign or the less than sign to express how you feel God's grace matches up to your greatest grace. Go ahead, take a moment. Write something down. The greater than sign. You stand with me this morning. And hopefully, hopefully, you feel like God's grace is greater than what you've written down on that piece. Hopefully you circled the greater than understanding and believing and putting your faith in God. God, I know, though my sin may have been a bad one, may have lasted a long time in my life. No matter what I've done, no matter what's been done to me, your grace is great. I want you to put that piece of paper, you can water it up or whatever, but I want you to hold it in your hand. And with your eyes closed this morning, your head bowed, I want you to consider what you wrote down. So what I want to do right now is where you stand with your eyes closed and you grasping what you have written as your greatest sin of your life up to this point. I want to give you the opportunity to experience the power of the grace of God. Because in His grace is forgiveness and redemption. In His grace Justification. What's justification? Just as if you've never done it. 
That's what justification is. That's the power of His grace. Does my wife pray? Does she see? I want you to tell the Lord this. Oh, right here, right now. Only what I deem the greatest sin of my life I receive your grace to cover right now. Let that be your prayer. you would, you feel comfortable with it. Why don't you just extend your hands to heaven in complete surrender to the Lord this morning. Lord, I need you. I need you. I Thank you. 